us pray. Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on this body of believers and on this preacher. Amen. Friends of God, what do you know about the Holy Spirit? The only thing that the early Christians knew about the Holy Spirit was the story of what happened on the day of Pentecost. You remember that day that there were gathered together in the, in the temple courtyard devout people from all over every nation under the sun. And when the Holy Ghost descended on, on everyone, heard their, the, the disciples speak in their language. The word spread throughout the known world like wildfire that the disciples had received from the Holy Ghost the ability to speak foreign languages. Some even mocked them, saying they were drunk. But Peter, in his first sermon, set the record straight. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass that on the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and on your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Imagine how the story got embellished when it left Jerusalem and traveled from city to city. Every Christian convert wanted to speak in a foreign language. They thought that was the proving ground of you would possess the Holy Spirit. When early converts heard the story, they began to practice the blossoming custom of babbling and making sounds that no one could interpret because they thought it was expected of them if they possessed the Holy Spirit. By the time Paul got to Corinth, it was a major issue. So Paul an educated man who spoke many, many different languages himself had to clarify the use of tongues. He wrote, I am grateful to God for the gift of praying in tongues that he gives us for praising him, which leads us to a wonderful intimacy we enjoy with him. I enter into this as much or more than any of you, but when I am in church assembled for worship, I'd rather speak five words that everyone can understand and learn from than say 10,000 sounds that others to others sounds like gibberish. The issue of speaking in tongues was such a problem that after dealing with the Corinthians, Paul decided to write a letter to the church at Rome while he was still in Corinth. He realized it was time to do some much needed teaching about the power and purpose of God's Holy Spirit. He would be, he would be heading to Rome soon, but he wanted to lay the groundwork, the foundation ahead of his, ahead of his arrival. And with some straightforward teaching on the Holy Spirit, Paul begins to lay out the work of life through the Spirit. The entire eighth chapter of the book of Romans 
is Paul's explanation of life through the Spirit. In the first seven chapters of Romans, Paul mentions the Holy Spirit only one time. But in the eighth chapter, he's getting down to business as verse by verse, he explains the redemptive price and the redemptive power of God through the Holy Spirit. He reminds the Romans that redemption began with Christ and those who receive Christ should walk with Christ. It is not a flesh thing, Paul said. It's a spiritual thing. And in our text, you have heard read, in verse 14, it's a simple summary of this work of the Holy Spirit. Paul uses one word throughout that eighth chapter to begin to lay out the foundation of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Greek word ajo to unravel the mystery of the work of the Holy Spirit. The, that one little Greek word, ajo, has several ideas attached to it. And as we take a closer look, we'll be able to assess our own spiritual walk with the Lord, with life through the Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do for us as believers? The Greek word used for Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John is paraclete. You see, we have no direct English translation for the term paraclete. It basically means to be called to one's side. And translators have used many different words to try to translate into English what that word means. Some translate the word paraclete as comforter. Others translate it as helper, advocate, intercessor, and even companion. Maybe, I think, the best way to understand this word is to give an illustration from Jesus' time, Jesus' day. In the book, Healing the Masculine Soul, Garden Dalby says, paraclete was an ancient warrior's term. The Holy Spirit is our wing person, so to speak. I'm not trying to be cavalier here. The word paraclete is actually a Greek military term Greek soldiers fought in pairs. It is no accident that Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. When in the heat of battle, each soldier became the other's paraclete in battle, they would fight back to back. I would be facing this way and another soldier would be watching my back. Each other would watch the other person's rear guard against the enemy. And I can stop right there and preach a, holy, a whole sermon on how the Holy Spirit got your back. It is interesting, though, that Jesus chose this word to describe the type of job the Holy Spirit would have in the life of us who follow the Lord. Is the Holy Spirit our paraclete today? A whole lot of Christians are trying to do the work of God and do the will of God on their own. Some even think that themselves as long ranger in my business. Jesus never intended for us to travel alone without the paraclete. Jesus knew that the work that God is trying to achieve in this world, nothing that's evil wants it to succeed. 
Jesus wants us to travel with the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who guides, the one who watches our back because this is dangerous work that we're undertaking. The truth is, we all need help, especially when it comes to spiritual warfare. We need to ask the Lord for a fresh outpouring and infilling of the Holy Spirit in our life today. We need to treat the Holy Spirit as our person who guards our rear so nothing can sneak up on us. The Holy Spirit has our back. The Holy Spirit sees what we cannot see. He works even when we don't know he's working. He can stop. We, we can't stop the Holy Spirit from carrying out his exercises, his options without our consent. He moves as God directs him and he shelters even foolish people like me sometimes. Then the Holy Spirit leads and guides us. This Greek word, agio, lead or led, also contains the idea of leading and guiding. The Holy Spirit watches over us, but he also leads and guides us. He leads us in the way of righteousness and truth on the path that God has already laid out for us. And he does it by moving in advance, going ahead and watching us from behind. The Holy Spirit is a trailblazer or conductor. The old saints used to say, he keeps me from straying, straying from the straight and narrow, straying from the leaving the Lord and going at it on my own. He keeps me from walking. He keeps me walking in the spirit instead of walking by myself. It's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to blaze a path and make sure the way is clear for us. The apostle pleader explained it this way explain it this way when he affirmed the timeless presence of God through the Holy Spirit that dated way back to the Old Testament prophets Peter wrote because no prophecy ever came by human will but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God the Holy Spirit knows our options we can walk in the spirit or we can walk by ourselves. We can sing for joy or we can just sing. We can fight the good fight or we can just fight. We can live a life through the spirit or we can just try to survive life. The Holy Spirit guides us in the right direction. If we let the Holy Spirit, the choice is ours. God would not, will not make us follow the Holy Spirit's leading like puppets. God always gives us free will and choice. Finally, it is, friends. The Spirit directs us on a course that's chosen by God. This Greek word, agio, led or lead, also contains the idea of directing a course and bringing along us to an end that God has already ordained for us. The Spirit not only directs a believer uh, where to go, but the Spirit also shows us how to get there. 
it's the Spirit's responsibility to bring us to our destiny, eternity with God. The Lord's Holy Spirit is proactively involved in our life. His nudging and pushing and prodding are part of God's ordained plan for us. Of course, this can only happen when we are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in a life through him. Living a lovely and conform, lovingly and conforming to the image of Christ. We don't talk about predestination that much, but it is part of our Wesleyan DNA. I can assure you with all certainty that God has a plan for our life. And the Holy Spirit knows the plan and the way. We can make turns that often lead us in the wrong direction. But I have a few people in this room that know sometimes when we get off on the wrong direction, God will get us back in the way where God wants us to be. Unholy actions may have distracted us for a moment, but God's Holy Spirit straightens us out and puts us back on the path. Deceitful temptations may have diverted us, but the Holy Spirit pulled us back and put us back on the path that God wants us to lead. Lustful thoughts may have grabbed our attention, but the Holy Spirit snatches us back into where we belong. Wicked imaginations may have sidetracked us, but the Holy Spirit sees our souls. And how does the Spirit do this? Paul would say that the spirit will be a thorn in our flesh until he becomes joy in our hearts. The Holy Spirit will be a thorn in our flesh until the spirit of God becomes joy in our heart. I believe in heaven with all my heart and soul, but I ain't ready to get there no time soon. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit has already seen God's throne room in all of its glory. And the Holy Spirit knows we'll be glad to see it for ourselves. It's his job to bring you and I to that destined end so you and I can live eternally in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father. The psalmist said, you guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will receive me with all honor and glory. Friends, with just that one simple Greek word, angel, lead or led, Paul teaches us that the Holy Spirit carries us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit directs us toward life in Christ. But now comes the crucial point. How do we know that we are being led by the Spirit of God? How do we know that we're living a life through the Spirit? I believe it just takes three questions and you don't need to ask them hear with me because God can hear you answering them in your heart. Only 
three questions, I think, that will reveal whether or not we are living life through the Spirit. When you're carried through trials, at the end of that trial, do you rejoice that you found God's favor in the midst of some of the worst trials in your life? Number two, when you're confronted with temptation, do you choose the path of love and truth or do you put on armors and cover yourself to protect you? Number three, when you stumble into sin, are you quick to correct the course and ask God's blessing and forgiveness to set you back on path and then give all praises to God for walking with you through that desert? Can you taste the presence of God in your life? If you do, I will submit that you are living life through the Spirit of God. The scriptures say, oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. If we are spirit-led, we are sons and daughters of God. I didn't say that. Paul did. He said it to the Romans and he's saying it to you and I. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Maybe some of us aren't sure if we possess the Holy Spirit, or rather the Holy Spirit possesses us. It's not too late, friends. Peter said, all we have to do is lean and depend on God because everyone baptized is a follower of Jesus Christ if they're living a life through the Spirit. Jesus Christ gives us a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to live a life where every day is another uncertainty. Every day is another revelation of how sin is loose in God's world. Every day, a new sickness tries to take our faith from God. Every day, a new devil tries to make us believe that God is not present in our lives. We have to be carried, led by the Spirit. We have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. We must let God's Spirit direct us. We cannot survive the mental, emotional onslaught of evil that's loose in our world without the power of God. And you know what? We were never meant to do it because we don't fight the battle. The battle is not ours. It's the Lord's. It's not personal. Evil does not want us to achieve what God has ordained us to perceive, that the world will come to know Christ through us. One negative moment in our lives, one negative argument publicly will divert someone from following us because they will believe that Christ aren't in us. But if we are living a life through the Spirit, 
Paul says in another letter to the Galatians, we'll have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and meekness and temperance. The only way that we can have those comforting things is living a life through the Spirit. Isaiah said it this way, and when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ear shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Friends, all we need to do is let the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christos, the Spirit of the one who died for us, his adversary for us, his holy paraclete, our comforter. If we will allow the Spirit to allow us to live a life through the Spirit, we will be that community that when the world sees another shooting in an Alabama church, when the world sees a country and a world that's run amok, when they look at us, they don't see people who are conflict-free, but they see people who negotiate conflict with the love of God because they're living a life in a spirit that will not let us hate each other, will not let us turn our back on each other. How we redeem the world is, how, is by how we live. And the only way that we can live God's way is to live a life through the Spirit. Thanks be to God who is our paraclete. Lord, we thank you that you left for us a path, a direction, a way to lead, a way to live this life, a way that we are not alone, a powerful way of reminding us that when we want to give up because life is throwing buffets of wind against us, your spirit reminds us that the battle has already been won. Christ will be the victor. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.